So if you look at Jesus' dream team of 12, and they weren't a dream team, on one side you had a tax collector, and on the other side you had a zealot, someone who fought all that stuff. So in the disciples' grouping, they no longer followed after the old ways of the flesh, but they lived in the spirit. They followed after Jesus. Render under Caesar the things that are Caesar, the things that are God's. So I want you to, I am going to intentionally provoke you right now. All right, you all ready for it? I want you to wait. Do not give judgment until I finish. And if you want to tar and feather me afterwards, bring it on. But here is where the third confrontation is going to come. Seatbelts on. All right, any weapons need to be checked out in the door. All right, throw it up. Do not say what you're thinking. I don't want to hear what you're thinking right now. I just want you to think. Okay? So in doing some research, if you don't know who this is, this is Colin Kaepernick. He chose about a year ago to kneel during the um, Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. Uh, gosh, you are good. It, Hey, you, you're, I see you, I ramped up already. I think that tar is warming up in the back. So I did, some re- <laughs> I did some research, and I found three pros and cons to each thing, and I just want you to listen to it, and I have a reason for saying this. I will bring it to conclusion. Pro one, why? When one believes the United States is not living up to its ideals of freedom, liberty, and justice for all, Refusing to stand for the national anthem is appropriate and justified. That's a pro view. Con. Refusing to stand for the national anthem shows disrespect for the flag and members of the armed forces. The national anthem pays respect to the people who have risked their lives, been injured, and died defending the United States. Pro. Um, When a national figure such as an NFL player refuses to stand for the national anthem... It shocks people into paying attention and generates conversations. Con, not standing for the national anthem is an ineffective and counterproductive way to to promote a cause. Clemson University's football coach, Davo Swinney, I probably said it wrong, Todd, sorry, said in a press conference, I don't think it's good to be a distraction to your team. I don't think it's good to use your team as a platform. Pro, Not standing for the national anthem is a legal form of peaceful protest, which is a First Amendment right. Con, refusing to stand for the national anthem angers many and sows division in our country. Continue to think. I want to show you a picture. This is not photoshopped. What stands out at it to you? This is known as the Bellamy Salute. In um, 1892, the pledge and the salute originated. This picture was taken in May of 1942. Right during the war was ramping up, Hitler was taking over, and uh, they had this going on. So at the time, you've got Mussolini and Hitler beginning to take on some of this 
this viewpoint, and then we sort of had a conflict. But let me tell you, there's more to this story. There was a, um, a man who was a Jehovah's Witness. Now, I, we don't believe what Jehovah's Witness believes, what they believe, but uh, this man had a very good point. And if you know Jehovah's Witnesses, you'll know they don't celebrate Christmas. I don't think they celebrate birthdays. They don't do pledge to allegiances. They don't do any of that stuff because they take it very seriously that there will be no idol before God or no, you know, a pledge to anyone but God. So, but here they had a problem. And so a Supreme Court thing was met out that this Jehovah Witness fought against. His name was Barnett. And it was the West Virginia State Board of Education versus Barnett in 1943 that came up with this conclusion. We're going to put it up on the screen. If there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, is it that no official, high or petty, can prescribe what shall be orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion, or for citizens to confess by word or act their faith therein. This was right during the ramp-up of World War II. the Supreme Court recognized the constitutional right of not making somebody do something or pledge to something that was against their religious views, whatever view that there was, that we're not going to make them do that. If you're familiar with history, Hitler began in the 30s, even before that, in the 30s, to develop this group and they, became, they began to make people begin to do things, do this, do this, do this, and it's prescribed, and then everyone had to salute the flag as it went by or face possible execution. I would say that as Christians... We should be the ones championing, champion, you know what I'm trying to say, championing someone's freedom to resist doing something that they don't feel compelled to do. In the 30s, um, it was said by one gentleman, it's like they came for... Uh, this purple, this person, they took them away, but I wasn't that person. They came for this person, they came for the Jews, but I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me and there was no one left. In our context, it might be they came for the florist, they came for the baker, they came for the candlestick maker, but I was neither of them, but then they came for me. Jesus' words weren't polarizing, they were spirit-centered I think there is a conflict here, and it's the third conflict that I talked about, that we have to acknowledge that in order to be Christians, we need to be the best citizens and promote 
the freedoms that we have or else we're going to get formed into a funnel of belief where all of a sudden we're being told we have to do something that we shouldn't have to do and we're being bit by the thing that we used to argue about. Augustine said this. He said, Lord, make me pure, but not yet. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render unto God the things that are God. It was neither the Pharisees, nor the Sadducees, nor the Herodians, nor anyone else that got it right. It was Jesus. And yet I feel and I fear that we lose ground to good conversations with people because we haven't taken time to study history, even to study the word of God. And it's like, Lord, make me holy, but not yet. Because I feel this so passionately. If you don't know me, I, I carry the American flag in France. I mean, I, in, in the army. I am not against the military. I am pro a lot of things, but the Constitution gives us a right. So in the same way Kaepernick has a right to kneel, you have a right not to go to the games. But the spirit that we lead in that should be, he has that freedom. I am thankful he has that freedom. I am choosing not to because my worldview is different. That's okay. But to post a meme and think that it's going to win over your neighbors winsomely for the gospel, I think it's bunk. We sound like angry little kids sometimes. Do you want to be made to salute a flag like that? I mean, just picture back 1942. I didn't know about this until I studied this week. And it is because of that freedom that we have that we have the freedom to meet today. And I know that's being pressed upon at some level. When it gets to the civil authorities take on more rights than what God has given us, we better stand. We need to stand. I will stand. And I know many of you will stand. But when we are called to render under Caesar the things that aren't contradictory to Scripture, are we going to bow a knee to King Jesus? Or are we going to give in to what the world view is of the day or what the loudest people on the side that you think that you are? Church, do you know in this room there are people who are divisively polar opposite on these views? And I say, look around and say, do you love your church folk, your church family? Because when we get in conversations and we assume we know what the answer is because we think we're right about it, we lose context to bring in the gospel. Oh, I can't believe that. Oh, you know, and you get all angry. Jesus didn't get angry. He's like, you're, you're stupid. I mean, <laughs> he didn't say it like that. He's like, you, do you not know who God is? And what he was saying is like, if you die, God can take a cremated body and make it new. Do you not know the power of God? God can take a fallen person and make them whole again. God is the power of God. Jesus said, God can make Caesar rule and make bad things happen, but God still is in charge and is sovereign. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Let us stand not on the ground of Caesar, but let us stand firmly under King Jesus and promote his ways and promote his truth and promote his life so that we can winsomely share with whoever comes into our circle of influence. So the next slide, please. I'm going to stay up here afterwards. I would love, not a, no, don't bring tar, please. But I would love a conversation. You, I, I very much get that you might be wrestling inside. Maybe some of you is, are a bit angry with me. I'm not trying to do that. We just want to be a church that goes from here, takes a scripture in, it peels through our heart, and then we, we act on it. We act in love. We act in truth. We don't get caught in by the little quick ones, like the little quick comments that, you know, it's just a trap, that we are winsome and that we are loving and that we are going to speak in a way that are going to win folks to the gospel. So the question for you this morning is who won the third fight? Is King Jesus going to win? Are you rendering under Jesus the things that are Jesus's? Are you more consumed with Caesar? Who's going to win that battle?